I, I want to cover three things today. We've got a lot of material, and I'm going to try and leave time for questions, but I want to respect the time that we have together. I'm going to cover defining a missionary lifestyle. I'm going to discuss financial preparation uh, for uh, missionaries, and then finally, financing options. All right? So those are the three things that I want to uh, try and, and cover with our, our time here today. I want to start with a quick story. So in um, uh, the late 80s, uh, Dr. Dan Fountain, uh, and who's familiar with Dan? Anybody? So, so Dan uh, identified the fact that missionary clinics and hospitals around the world were closing. And he set out to determine why that was happening. And what it turned out was that uh, the World War II generation of healthcare providers, doctors, nurses, and so forth, uh, were coming back, they were retiring, and nobody was going to replace them. So he wanted to find out why. And what he, det- what he discovered is the reason people weren't coming back is because they had taken out loans for their education, and they were staying behind to pay off their loans. And, you know, I mean, you know what your loans are, right? I mean, they're big. So it was taking 10 years or more to pay them off. And, of course, in 10 years, life happens, right? They'd get the practice. They'd get the house. They'd get the wife or the husband or they'd get the kids. And they'd, you know, they'd get the country club. And all of a sudden, you're not going anywhere, right? Uh, and things were just falling apart in global healthcare missions because of this. So Dan identified that it was the loans. And he went on a, about a five-year uh, uh, mission to convince people to help him, to convince people to help him solve the problem. And CMDA, Christian uh, Medical and Dental Association, the president of CMDA heard him speak and said, this guy's got it. He nailed it. The president's name was Dr. David Tapazian. Dr. David Tapazian stepped out of both being a missionary and the president of CMDA and started MedSend. That was 20 years ago this year, 1992. Since that time, we've given 500 grants for $15 million, and we're currently paying on about 150 loans, right? So it's pretty broad-based. It's been an incredible success. And uh, one of the things that we have as the two passions of our founder, Dr. Dan Fountain, is education and preparation, right, to go make sure that you are prepared as best you can be for what you're going to face out on the mission field. Dr. Tapazian's passion was financial stewardship. And I think to a large extent, it's because he was the one who had to go out and raise the money, right? He had to go represent you and look into people's eyes and said, I'm going to give this to the best stewards I can find, right? I'm going to give your money, the widow's might, to the best stewards I can find. Hopefully that's going to be you. So he had a passion for doing these kinds of things, and I'm following in his footsteps. He's presented here since the beginning, including last year, and this is the first time I've been asked. I'm the president of MedSend. My name is Rick Allen. And uh, let me just pray before we get underway, all right? Dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for the opportunity to participate and to observe your calling uh, and uh, your movement across the world. Uh, Lord, let this session today... Draw us closer to you. Uh, Reveal your intent for finances. Reveal your intent for our lives. Lord, let your Holy Spirit reign in this place. Make yourself evident. Protect our minds, our eyes, our ears uh, as uh, as we listen 
observe, and think. We pray that, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So, uh, raise your hand if you have, <clears throat> if you've been in the military. Okay. Uh, what was boot camp like? Okay. Who else? <laughs> Wife. Have you heard the stories of boot camp? Yeah. What, what was it like? Fun, huh? No. Yeah. <laughs> Who else? Somebody else expect? Yeah, yeah. Full of discipline, rigor. It was hard. It was tough. And they're prepor- they are preparing you because war is hell, right? How many people think they might have a calling on their life from God to enter into healthcare mission? Think. How many, put your hands down, how many have already made a decision to do it? <clears throat> okay. Those of you who have made a decision, my question to you is, are you prepared? Right? Are you prepared? Because what you've been called to is to push back the gates of hell. Right? You have been called to push back the gates of hell in a hard world. So are you prepared? And that's what I want to talk about today. A part of that is financial preparation. But the first question I want to ask you is what does it mean to live a missionary lifestyle? What does that look like? Right? I want you to take just a couple of minutes around your table, get a scribe, and come up with the attributes of what you think it looks like to lead a missionary lifestyle. Starting now. Okay, let's, uh, let's uh, draw in. Hopefully you've, uh, you've kind of got your ideas down on, uh, down on paper about what it looks like to lead a missionary lifestyle. And I'm going to ask you to just kind of call out what those things are. I'm going to ask Vanna White to come forward and uh, be my scribe. Thank you very much. So uh, call them out in an order where she can just write them down. We're just going to write down some of these attributes uh, of what it means to live a missionary lifestyle. So who wants to start? Yes. Um, isolation. Isolation. Who else? Yeah. Other a life other focused. Great. Fabulous. Yes. Yep. Reliance on God. Generosity. Hold on just a second. Yeah, did somebody call out? Sacrifice. Frugal, frugal. yeah. Sacrifice and frugal. Humble. Humble? Humble. Mm-hmm. Being good stewards with our resources, even now. Good stewards, yeah. Okay. Uh, you got it? Yeah, separation. Yeah, that's good. Yes, sir. Okay, God-centered. Yes, ma'am. Okay, that's great. Releasing control. Yes. Prayerful. Yep, great. Some 
terms of powerlessness. Okay. Uh, powerlessness. Or towards power, like all over the culture and, and the things that you have to see and accept. And all right. How about if we say total surrender? Okay. Sounds better. <laughs> hey, you get to the same point. Yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah. Bold witness. Good. Fasting. Fasting. <laughs> you're, not, you're not just saying that because I'm overweight, are you? <laughs> oh, come on. There's an easy one. I mean, fasting, he, he like gave it to you. Who said prayer? Oh, man. Give him a round of applause. Oh, you got to be. Oh, well, that's my fault. Right? Nice try. Ah. All right. Excuse me? Yeah, relationship building. Yeah. Clear vision. Hmm, that's good. Simplicity. Organized. Ownership for community. <laughs> you will do it my way. You will. <laughs> uh, yeah, investing in the community, not ownership. No, no, no. The uh, ownership. We're going to take the ownership off and make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, having the audacity. Yeah, uh, creativity. Kind of heavenly focused and creativity. Oh boy. Yes, sir. Flexibility. Okay, loving. Mm -hmm. All right, well, why, don't we, uh, why don't we hold there unless somebody's got something that's really brilliant. All right. So when you look at this board, how many of these attributes would you be living out? If I asked the three people closest to you, how many of these things would they say represent you and your behaviors? Can anybody get three? You got three? You got way more than three, right? Yeah, of course. So these are the attributes of missionary boot camp, right? If you want to push back the gates of hell and you want to become a missionary, you need to start preparing now in the midst of this secular, consumerized culture that we live in. And the problem is that in school or residency, no matter where you're at, the people around you, your peers, are going to be focused on what's important to the culture and not what's important to God. Right? They're going to be getting themselves the Rolex because they deserve it. They're going to be getting 
the Mercedes. Now, it's going to be the small Mercedes because I'm just getting started. One day I'll get the big one, right? But I'm going to start with the small one. I'm a good steward. Their priorities are going to be entirely separate from your priorities, and it's going to be so easy to get sucked into the world, right? It's going to be really easy to get sucked into the world. And it can cost you your your place at the missionary table, right? You need to start to prepare now. You need to start to live a missionary lifestyle today. Push back against the culture. Don't allow it to... Don't you embrace it or allow it to embrace you, right? And you can see a lot of these things are not related to finance. But finance is a big one. And the reason that finance is a big one, because biblically, what it says is that when we're in debt, we are slaves, right? We are slaves to the one that holds the debt, right? This world can capture us and hold us because of our debt. How many of you are aware that a mission sending agency will not send you with debt? You cannot go with debt. Now, they're making some exception right now, but it's not much. It's very little bit on a monthly basis. Can't go. You gotta sell it. And I know that could be a problem these days. Right? You gotta get out of debt in order for a mission sending agency to send you. That's why we exist, right? That's why MedSend exists. We have 70 sending organizations that have bought into this concept, right? So we're just a very small, simple ministry. We sit in the middle of 70 organizations that feed people to us for consideration to pay to give them a grant to pay for their educational related debt. Right? Now, one of the things that we're looking for, our board meets three times a year, and one of the things that we're looking for uh, in an application is that an individual was a good steward with what they had, right? As they went through their education. Did they finance lifestyle? Right? You should be living like a missionary today. Reduce, reuse, recycle, right? It's hip now. Who was it? Mayor? Was it John Mayer who said that? Was that his song? Reduce, reuse, recycle. Who was that? Do you know? I don't know. Uh, some popular guy came up with reduce, reuse, recycle, made it into a song. It was a hit. He made millions. Uh, missionaries were doing that long before it was hip, Right? I know someone said frugality up here, right? Living a frugal lifestyle. Trying to be a good steward over the resources that God has given you. Right? Wearing things out. Right? Getting by on the minimum. And what this does for you and to you is it prepares your heart. Right? It prepares your heart for the place that God's going to be calling you. And a lot of these things, although they're not financial related, they are related to discipline, to disciplining yourself, right? To separating yourself from the culture that we live in. And the culture that we live in, you have been, I have been, we all have been programmed to consume. 
right? From our earliest age. I remember when I was a boy, and I'm much older than most of the people in this room. When I was a boy, we just a little boy, my sister and I would sit there with the Sears uh, toy catalog. It would start in the fall, and we would open this thing up, and we would dog ear pages, and we'd circle them, and we would haunt my parents, right? Tiny little consumers, I want this, I want that, I want this, right? I was programmed from that early age to today as I sit in front of the television and see billions of dollars worth of commercials telling me that my life can't be fulfilled unless I consume. That's not what God says, right? And we get, we get pulled into this. And we borrow money to finance a lifestyle that is not godly. And if you want to be a missionary, you need to start living a godly lifestyle today. Right? you got to put God into the middle of your decisions. Don't wait. Man, when you get out there, depending upon where you're going, it's going to be too late. you got to go to boot camp now. Right? The discipline prepares you to push back the gates of hell. Right? So, I want to encourage you to think about a, uh, a life mission statement, right? Uh, and uh, in that context, Rick Warren's got a great one. Uh, he calls it shape, right? And if I could have Vanna come back up again and write these up there for me, you can just erase some of that. The things to be looking at are spiritual gifts, Heart, abilities, and experience. Ruh row. <laughs> I left the P out of there somewhere. Passions. Who said that? Oh, thank you. You saved you saved the day. That's right, passions is the other one. Where's your passion, right? And to write up your life mission statement reflecting where God is calling you, right? There's been some great sessions. I don't know about you, but I, I, you know, I've learned so much here uh, over the weekend. And there's been some great sessions talking about these kinds of things and the unique individual that God created you to be and finding it, right? Finding that intersection of who you are and what God wants you to do, right? The uniqueness of how, who he has made you to be and what he's calling you to do and how to live your life out. And this is one of the ways to do it. And as you're going through that and you're looking at it, I, I think you can sit down, Vanna. Thank you so much. Might as well take your pen though, in case I call you back. Um, so as you're uh, as you're looking at that, try and determine how your gifts, where your heart is, your ability, your passions, and your experience tie into the resources that God has provided you with. How many people have debt 
will have debt upon graduation. Okay? It's probably 50%. 50% of you will have uh, debt when you graduate. What's your plan? What's the pay it off? How long do you think it's going to take you to pay off? 20 years? 10 years if you're real sacrificial. If you're called to foreign missions, if you're called to missions at all, you can't do it with debt. You can't do it if you are in debt. So everybody who raised their hands, you have to have a plan, right? And your plan should not be MedSend, right? Your plan shouldn't be MedSend. We want to be there for you, but we don't want you living a North American lifestyle on debt because we're going to pick it up. Because I'll tell you, if, if our board even sniffs that, you're going to be excluded, right? That's not what we're here for. We're here to help you fulfill your calling, not to give you a North American consumer lifestyle, right? Because what it tells us is that you didn't prepare. You're not ready. You haven't been the boot camp. And we're not going to throw you out into the world to face the gates of hell unprepared. Because you're going to get sucked in. Right? You're going to take a North American menta consumer mentality to a world that has no concept of it. And you're going to misrepresent Christ. Right? Start preparing today. Right? Put a plan in place. Borrow as the least amount of money that you can. Compound interest can kill you. Right? There's various options that you'll have when you start to take out student loans when it comes time for repayment. Some of them, like the graduated payments, give you very little, uh, very little up front, and they're designed to go higher as your career goes, you know, goes along. And uh, the problem is that the initial payments don't cover the interest. So the interest continues to build, and then there's interest on interest, right? This is what compounding means. It's interest on interest, right? And that starts to accelerate very fast. So you want to at least be paying the interest that you have when that time comes, right? Now, I want to move into uh, some, of the, some of the options that you have. And I have to tell you that we as an organization uh, really struggle with these things because the uh, federal government has put some plans in place that are you know, more reflective of the secular mindset uh, than the godly mindset. Uh, so I'm going to put them on the table. They are, they're all viable options to you. Some of them are going to make sense uh, for your situation. Some of them won't. Uh, and I'll try and go through them and then leave some time for questions. Uh, so does, how many people have loans that you're aware of, have student loans from Direct Loan Corp.? 
So everybody else who has loans, they're coming from another organization, either a bank or Sally Mae loans or some other option. Parents. <laughs> um, so here's the way it works, right? The um, student loans come from two places, right? There is the direct loan corporation, which is owned by the federal government. It is an arm of the federal government. And they offer student loans, subsidized and unsubsidized. Uh, and then there's everybody else, right? The federal government backs loans by Sally Mae, by Citibank, J.P. Morgan, all kind of private organizations that offer student loans, right? Uh, they're all bundled into one thing, right? So that let's simplify. There's only two ways you either get a national you either get a direct loan from Direct Loan Corporation or you get it from somebody else that's federally subsidized. Well, what happened is uh, uh, George Bush, as he was leaving office in the last six months of um, uh, office, he went and passed a bill to encourage individuals to join not-for-profits, 5013Cs, or to serve in the government. Right? So if you are working for a 501c3 and you have loans from the direct loan corporation, you'll pay for 10 years and then anything that's remaining, the federal government will pay off. Right? Only, only direct loan corp. So, missions organizations qualify. They're all 501c3s, right? So, even though Faith-based organizations, meaning a church. So if you go to work for a church, you've become a pastor, it, you don't qualify. But if it's a 501c3 that does humanitarian efforts or even evangelizes, domestically or globally, you can qualify for this program. If you become a teacher, a firefighter, a policeman, you qualify. right? So it's anybody who's working for government or not for profit. Direct Loan Corp. only. George Bush put that in place to encourage people with large debt loads to go work in not-for-profits, right? As Bush is going out the door, the economy crashes. People are coming out of school, large debt loads. People who have been working for a while, across the board, people are losing their job left and right, right? A lot of them have student loans. You probably know that it is the one type of loan you can't get out of under bankruptcy, right? It's the one loan you cannot erase, right? They will not forgive it under bankruptcy. So, people are coming out of school, they've got no job. People have been working for a while, have large student loan debts, and they're not working. The system is getting ready to implode. There is a trillion dollars worth of student debt, more than credit card debt now. It crossed over this year. There's more student loan debt than credit card, and the system is getting ready to implode on itself. It will crash the financial systems. So the government responded, and the government responded with what's called the income-based repayment plan, right? IBR, and you're going to hear me, I'm going to say IBR over and over again, right? So income-based repayment. 
Now, the thing with income-based repayment is that it's not like anything you've ever seen before in the form of a loan. So, you know, since the time of Jesus, loans, the payment amount on your loans have been predicated by how much you borrow, what the interest rate is, and how long you're going to pay it off, right? And that determines what your payment is. goes on forever, right? There's been loans forever, and that's how they've all gone, except for the government, right? What they're saying here is, regardless of how much you owe, regardless of how long it's going to take you to pay it off, I'm going to base your payment on your income. I'm sorry, would everyone please turn off their phones? Including me. Um, so they're going to base the payment on your income. So what this did on a secular level, right, is it protected the system because you're not working, you have zero income, you owe me $1,000 a month. But what I'm going to say is because you're not working, because you have no income, don't pay me anything and we're still good. Right? You and I, we're still good. Your loan's not in default. Right? We're, we're good. Right? And when you get a job, let me know. And I'm going to, I'm going to make your payment according to how much you're, you're making. Not how much you borrowed. Not how long it's going to take you. Not, how, not what your interest rate is. But how much you are making. And my expectation is that over time, me, the government, over time, your career is going to step up and you're going to make more money, and I'm going to take 10% of your income until it's paid off, right? It's a graduated plan with the option of a zero payment, right? So that's how, that's how it works, income-based repayment. Now, uh, to a certain extent, we, jo- we joke around. Yeah. During that period, is in, like, interest still compounding? I'll tell you what. I'm going to ask you to hold your questions because it's this goes all over the place, and I want to give you a high level, and then we'll I'll start taking them. All right. Well, I'll I'll leave time because uh, I know there'll be a lot of questions. Uh, so, um, so you've got this income-based repayment plan as an option uh, for you, and you've got a totally separate plan for direct loan corp, right? That's a 10-year payout. So what happens with the IBR is that after a period of 25 years, so let's say you stay out on the mission field and you're making $25,000 a year uh, and you're out for 25 years and you pay nothing, right? Because your your income-based repayment plan is zero and you're out for 25 years. At the end of 25 years, Whatever you have left over is forgiven. All right? So, uh, national direct loan, 10 years forgiveness. Everybody else, 25 years forgiveness. This uh, IBR, we kind of kid around and we call it FedSend, right? 
but it breaks our heart, right? Because there is a, a Christian moral dilemma in the middle of this, right? For a missionary to be called to the mission field to begin to live the missionary lifestyle and to do it in a way that says, oh, well, I'm not going to have to pay it off. I got MedSend or I got FedSend, right? I'm not accountable. Don't enter into it that way, right? There's a temptation to do it. Borrow as much as you can. I got FedSend, I got MedSend, right? I don't have to worry. If that is your attitude, this should be the last conference you come to, right? Go buy your Rolex, go buy the BMW, prepare yourself for a consumer lifestyle, not for a missionary lifestyle. Because we're called to be good stewards and entering into an obligation for debt with an attitude that someone else is going to take it from me is not missional, right? I want to encourage you to borrow the least amount. If you're being called to missions, it's somebody else's money that you're spending, right? We're going to help you, but it's somebody else's money. We have people giving us $25 a month because that's all they can afford, right? We got your grandmothers, right, giving us 25 bucks a month on fixed income. And we're turning around and we're saying, we're going to give it to the best stewards we can find. We're going to give it to the people that God has called to go heal the world, to heal them physically, to heal them spiritually, to push back the gates of hell throughout the world. And that's you, right? It's all you in this room. But I got to count, you know, I, I, I got to count on you to live the missionary lifestyle today, to prepare yourself, to keep your borrowing down, to turn your back on a material world, to live differently, reduce, reuse, recycle, wear out, simplify. Right? Those are the attributes of a missionary lifestyle. All right, so let's uh, let's take some uh, some questions with the time the time we have left. Who wants to start? You want to start? Did you get your question answered? Um, no. Um, so like like I was just curious, just as far as like how the system works. Say somebody doesn't have income during that period, and they're I think it's the income based yeah. repayment plan is, is 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 the interest still compounding then? during that period when they can't pay, or is it, does the interest only compound when they have an income and are making payments? Uh, so uh, it is, uh, it's, if, you, if your work, it's not, it's not compounding through that whole time, right? Uh, and uh, so that's the answer to your question. It's, it's, it's not compounding on itself. Uh, and you can make interest-only payments, Right uh, on it, so that it doesn't back up. 
It's not compounding, but it is. You're still, that amount of interest is still there. But the, the interest isn't compounding. Is it clear what that, what I'm saying there? Is it clear the difference, right? So, so one is that the interest builds up. You know, you owe me, you owe me, um, you owe me, you know, $101. Uh, so you have a $100 payment on principal and interest becomes $1. Uh, and then when it compounds, so that's $101. But when it starts to compound, you now owe me interest on $101, right? Not 100 but $101. And it starts to compound. So the interest starts to build, and all of a sudden, you're, I, I am charging you interest on the interest. That doesn't happen. But the original interest does continue to build. It's just not compounding. Yes? Um, I have a question about MedSend. MedSend, yeah. So you're talking about like, the board that reviews your application. Yeah. Um, I guess what's the acceptance rate, or how many people do you turn away? Okay. Yeah, okay. So uh, the question is, what's the acceptance rate at MedSend, and how many, do, how many people do we turn away? So the way MedSend works, right, is you go to a sending agency, and you know, I hope by this point, uh, uh, Saturday, uh, Saturday morning, that you've visited a few of them, and you've kind of talked to them, and you understand how that process works. Uh, but the way that uh, it works with regard to MedSend is that you join, we have these 70 organizations around us, and a lot of them are here, right? And you can go to our website, they're called our associates, and there's hot links on our website to each of them, so you can do your research and see where they offer and do all that, right? So uh, we sit in the middle, and they feed candidates to it. So they do the initial screening. Right? They, before you can get to us, the sending agency does the initial screening. So the people who make it to us uh, have already been qualified at the first level. Right? So we have a very high approval rate. Right? So the one thing that's fairly, because that's probably, when I say fairly high, let me be more specific. It's about 90%. Right? So you've got about a 90% chance of getting a MedSend grant if you make it to us, right? It's pretty high. That 10%, of that 10%, probably 90% of that, 80% of it, uh, people get rejected because of debt. <laughs> Funny, right? It's like, well, wait a minute. Aren't you helping me with my debt? Uh, and it's because when the board looks at it, they say they're not prepared. They didn't go to boot camp, Right? They lived a consumer lifestyle. They didn't, leave, they didn't live a missional lifestyle. They borrowed money for the Rolodex. I mean, for the Rolex, rather. <laughs> Could have done it for the Ro Ro Rolodex as well, but... Right? Look. Don't finance short-term trips with debt. Don't finance... Tithing with debt. Don't finance missionary support with debt. Now, all these things are important, right? Tithing, short-term trips to help affirm your vision and where the Lord's leading you. Supporting missionaries is wonderful as you prepare to become a missionary. Don't do it with debt. Do it with a sacrificial Life, right? Say, I'm not going to do this in order to do that. Don't say, I'm going to do that on borrowed money. 
right? Give up the Starbucks and put the money into an account that says, I'm going I'm to give this to a missionary. I'm going to put it into my account so I can go on a short-term trip next year. Right? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to absolutely define that, but it is to simplify, right? To simplify your life, to take stuff out intentionally, right? To you know reduce, reuse, recycle, wear out, right? It is to, if, you, if you're not in college yet, it's to go to a state school versus a private school. Right? That's a wonderful way. Look, if you are preparing to go into the mission field, you do not name, need the big name college. Right? You don't need to pay that extra 30% on tuition. You should go to the cheapest college you can find. Right? Who cares? Right? God doesn't care. He wants you to use your gifts, your skills, and your ability to the best that you can. Right? He doesn't care that you got into the finest medical school somewhere that costs the 30% more. Right? That's one way. Be looking at those kinds of things. Be saving as opposed to spending. Right? It's conserving versus consuming. Yes. Yeah, it's a great question. So the question is, uh, 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 Christian versus secular school uh, to help prepare for uh, a missions career. Uh, I have a hard time with that because I don't want to be a hypocrite. <laughs> you know, my kids have gone to a Christian school. Uh, they went to a Christian school through, coll- uh, through high school and... Uh, a couple of them decided to go to Christian colleges. So, uh, so that's, that's a hard one for me. Uh, and I think that you need to do it in prayer. Uh, one aspect of it is it's a good preparation, right? Uh, because that's what you're going to face. You're not going to face quite the, the culture that we're living in today and that you find on college campuses. But you're going to find a culture that you are living counter to, right, wherever you are. Uh, And that's what you're going to find in a secular university today. Uh, The flip side is that you are in a period of preparation, and uh, God can go deeper with you uh, when you're surrounded, and it's a little bit easier to live live out your faith and to exercise your faith. 
So I think it needs to be done prayerfully uh, and, and look at that, um, you know, that, that, that tension there uh, about where, where God's calling you. Yeah, uh, CMDA is on most, you know, campuses uh, of medical schools, and uh, that's a great organization uh, to uh, to get involved in. Very missional minded, uh, very supportive of healthcare professionals. Yes. Uh, what determines whether a student loan comes from the direct loan corporation or a third party? So, what are the tr- determining factors of a uh, a loan coming from a third party or direct loan? Oftentimes it's your school, right? Your school has a relationship, and the school provides you with a lender, uh, and it just kind of flows, right? It flows through the school. Uh, If you want to, and and I would highly recommend this, by the way, that you uh, go to your financial aid counselor and ask them if they work with Direct Loan Corp. and if you can take your student loans through Direct Loan Corp. Because if you have direct loan, this is the one time where we really recommend that you jump into the program. You really need to look at your specific situation and which of these two make any sense. But if you're in direct loan, it makes sense right away. And I'll tell you one of the reasons is because, uh, particularly if, uh, if you're on the track to be an MD, when you go into residency, you will typically be working in a not-for-profit hospital a 501c3. Most of the hospitals in the country are 501c3. So the clock starts ticking as soon as you go into residency, right? So you, you know, three, four, five years is already under your belt before you even go out into the mission field, right? Now, the thing with that, direct loan corp, go to your college, see if you, you know, check to see if it's there. Go to your college, see if you can get one, uh, I recommend that strongly because it's, it, it, it makes a whole lot of sense. The issue with it is you have to join IBR, right? You have to join IBR now in order to start to participate. So join IBR. There's some forms that you can let them know that you are working in a 501c3 right now uh, and uh, uh, start the process. You can do it at um, studentloans.gov. You can start to do the research. It's, it's clear. Just one second, yeah. Uh, so the, it is a, uh, it's a one-time payment after 10 years, and it's not 10 years, actually. It's 120 payments working for a 501c3, right? Okay. IBR is for both direct loan and not direct loan. Okay. Yeah, it's everybody, too, by the way. So 501c3 is just direct loan for 10 years, um, but... IBR is for everybody, right? It's not just for not-for-profits. Don't forget, it was put in place to make the system survive. Literally, I'm telling you that the system was ready to implode. People weren't paying their loans. Um, I think earlier you said don't pay off debt with debt. Oh, yeah. And, but would, you, would, would it be okay to pay off like, a private debt with like, a direct loan? Like, 
get more direct loan core instead of getting Yeah, yeah. I mean, you do want to you do want to consolidate, and all you need is one direct loan corp. They've set it up. I mean, they're they're really this is great, right? And it was Bush trying to encourage people to be able to work for not for profits, right, and for the government. So what they've done is is if you just have one direct loan, so let's say you have everything else from Citibank and one direct loan. They will allow you to consolidate all of your loans into the direct loan corp, right? So if you've got one direct loan, consolidate everything into one. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen the maximum. <laughs> I'll bet there is. Uh, I'm going to send you just to uh, studentloans.gov uh, to work it through. Now, uh, we are out of time by five minutes. I want to respect that. If, if you have questions, I'll hang around. I mean, you can stay in your seats, and I'll just take it, but I want to, have, uh, I want to respect your time. And I hope this was uh, valuable to you. God bless you.